Man up in my city on the roof, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe The Providence College Friars Top for the crossover The reverse Oh, baby The rush the Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. Uh, join with me as always, we have BOC. Follow him on Twitter at BOC all day. Also read the blog, theprovincecrier.com. Uh, we got, you know, more and more stuff coming out there. Uh, today is Wednesday, December 15th. And you know, see, th- this is how we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to do two episodes this week. Uh, we had some scheduling conflicts, but and we wanted to get it out a little earlier, but we'll get this one out to you on Wednesday. Uh, and then we'll do a preview of the UConn game. But what we're going to do on this episode, we'll recap last week. PC goes 2-0 against UVM in Central Connecticut, rounding out the non-conference schedule, uh, 10-1. And then um, and then after that, we'll kind of just put a bow on the non-conference slate as a whole, what are our impressions on the team as they move into Big East play. And then later in the week, we'll get you an episode to preview the UConn game on Saturday. So, BOC, uh, PC gets the win against UVM on Tuesday, 68-58, uh, was your final there. What were your impressions from that one? I think, you know, UVM is a good mid-major team, and I was nervous about a letdown uh, after, you know, Texas Tech and uh, URI, Texas Tech and URI games, and, you know, you, they stepped up. They started off hot. And they beat a good UVM team, and I'm, I'm happy about that. And then followed up, they win again. So they went 2-0 in games that should go 2-0, and it's business as usual. And it sounds crazy to say, but, like, that's not typical of the Providence program. Like, normally we have one or two really odd losses in the non-conference. Um, Brown, for instance, comes to mind. Like, last year, debacle with, like, Long Beach State and whoever else that was. Um we're just not used to a team playing consistently and playing well. And to be 10 and one speaks volumes to the coaching job that Cooley and staff are doing and to the uh, maturity and business-like approach that the team has. So great win against UVM um, did what you need to do. And they're going to be, that's another win where like we may look back, you know, in two months and say, wow, that was a really nice win because they may be a tournament team. So I'm happy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in, to echo that sentiment, Cooley even said as much, um, that, you know, he doesn't feel like the fans know how, how good of a win uh, beating UVM is. Um, you know, their coach Becker, he's been there for a while. He's had a lot of success in the America East. Um, yeah, just a solid, solid mid-major program. Like to, like to point out the fast start. Um, 
I think this has been something that's been also unique to the Friars. Um, you talked about the business-like approach, you know, taking care of business when they should take care of business. But these fast starts, this is starting to be a new thing for the Friars. Um, we're talking now three straight games where they jumped out to at least a nine-point lead. And that's huge. That just sets the tone for the entire game. Um, they jump out 11-0 this one um, and really have UVM on their heels. And you just got to love the fact that they're coming out focused, ready to go, and getting off to big leads. Yeah, I um, normally with, you know, normally the way a team gets upset is they let an inferior team jump out to an early lead or hang in the game. Jumping out to a 9-0 start, jumping out to an 11-0 start, that eliminates that possibility. Um, so it's just fan, it's fantastic to see these hot starts because, like you said, it's atypical of a Providence team. Um, I want to make mention of Reeves. Reeves had a monster game, 24 points, 6-10 from three. If he's hitting from deep at even like a 35 to 40% level, obviously he was 60% in this one. He's hitting at that level. It just creates a whole new, uh, a whole new dimension to our offense, which we haven't seen in a couple of years. Um, so we have an outside threat in Reeves who's knocking those threes down consistently. We're going to be a uh, matchup nightmare for any team. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you, you look at that UVM game, it was Reeves. It was pretty much all Reeves and Watson, right? They combined for 48 combined points, 24 apiece. Um, so, so 48 of the 68. I mean, they did the, the heavy lifting in that one. Um, you know, Durham chipped in. He's shooting the ball, you know, has had his struggles lately shooting the ball. Um, but he adds nine points and two of nine. He also adds five assists as the team continues to deal without um, Jared Bynum, their, their lead guard there. And Bre- Breed stepped in. He's struggling to shoot too, but, I mean, he is, he is scoring a little bit, which you like to see. I mean, he had eight against UVM, uh, falls that up on Saturday against Central Connecticut. Did he actually – now I think about it, did he score a single point against Central Connecticut? Reed scored uh, two points, and he was relegated to the bench. So I think Cooley's cognizant of uh, cognizant of his mini slump that he's in, and it's you know heading into Big East play with Bynum Bynum shelves for the time being. Who knows how long? Um, you need Breed to step up, but thankfully, like you know, we have we have depth. Thank thank God Durham's here because if. You know, Bynum was out and Breed was struggling like he currently is. I expect him to get out of it, by the way, but if we didn't have Durham, we'd be in a world of pain. Um, so kudos to Cooley and landing Durham. And then obviously Manaya slid into the start lineup too, and he did really well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we can move on from the UVM game, jump right into Central Connecticut uh, State. Another game here where PC gets off to a fast start. Um, you know, they lead this one 12 nothing start the game uh so that was great to see um in this one Manaya gets the start and boy was he awesome Reese had a nice night but I, I thought Biden was or excuse me Manaya was your MVP in that one 14 points on six of six shooting uh two of two from deep didn't miss a free throw but it's all right uh three rebounds two assists and added three steals as well so he just does he does a little bit of everything I um I love right. him. He might be he might be my one of my favorite friars on the entire roster. He just does everything that you want for as like a basketball junkie. Like 
you know, I, I do I expect him to go 100% from three like he did against Central Connecticut State? No. And I think his stats show that's probably not likely. Um, but he does so many things that you don't see in the box score. Like volleyball's out, the basketball, to get somebody else on offensive board, uh, dives for loose balls. Like all these things that like you don't you can't quantify, he just does and he just brings – you know, and an intangible to this team that we haven't had in a while, and it fires me up as a fan. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in this one, he got the offense going, but yeah, you're right. For the most part, he's just that energy guy off the bench so far, uh, making those defensive plays, saving those loose balls out of bounds, all that sort of thing, uh, stuff. So, and I think this kind of leads towards a theme of this team so far is you've had kind of another random player step up when you need to, um, whether it be Manaya, whether it be Crosswell. Um, so I think the fact that this team has the ability to where, hey, if our star players are having off nights, you can count on other guys to pick up the slack. I mean, that, that that's massive, I think. Yep, I but, agree. I mean- I mean, look at look at that entire look at that entire roster. Three of the five in double digits. The other two, <laughs> the other two were Watson and Reeves. They're in single digits. Um, you know, wait, you, you mean have, Watson and Durham? Watson, Watson and Durham. I'm sorry, Watson yeah. and Durham. Um, when you have arguably two of your more consistent offensive threats, they're the ones that are in single digits. That is, that's a really nice sight to see, man. Um, this team has just like, you know, granted, we'll see come Big East play where the competition revs up, but we've played some really good teams in like Texas Tech, Wisco, Northwestern, and we've stepped up for the most part. Um, it's been a team effort, and I'm really excited right? because in the past, over the past like two or three years, it's been a, hey, lean on one or two folks to carry the scoring load, and if they don't show up that night, it's just a loss, and we just don't have that anymore, and it's a really refreshing sight to see. Yeah, for sure. And then Reeves again in this game. He, he wasn't as good, but he actually filled up the stat sheet a little more in this one. 17 points, added nine rebounds and seven assists. So, I mean, if we get this type of Reeves at somewhat of a consistent basis, it's going to, like you said, it's going to change, like, the outlook of the team for sure. I think, like, everybody looks at Reeves, and it goes back to his freshman year where, like, he steps on the court, he just looks like an NBA player. And I know, like, you know, the physicality and, like, the way, the way he's built isn't everything. But everybody's been waiting to see, like, why is this guy not a complete player? Why is he not getting rebounds, assists, you know, points as well? And him putting up 17, 9, and 7. And granted, it's Central Connecticut State, so caveat there. But if he can, you know, fill the stat sheet and do all of those things beyond just scoring, man, it, it just creates another level to our offense. Or just our team in general, it raises the ceiling. And so it's really exciting. Yep. All right, so I do have a nitpick about the Central Connecticut game, oh, and I boy. wonder if it's—I wonder if this is going to worry worries you a bit, like it kind of does me. Um, they did not finish that game well at all. Uh, they were up with eleven minutes to play in this game, eleven and a half minutes. They were up sixty-three to. Uh, I think it was 63 to 34. So they're up 29 points. They finished the game scoring five points in 11 and a half minutes. Like that was awful. Like I've been, I've been positive about this team too. Believe me. And I, I like what I've seen. 
But that stretch there was horrendous. Like, and, and here's the here's the problem, BFC. This is why we're not super liked by Ken Bomb and stuff like that. Because if you win by 30, that helps your metrics more. And instead, we win by 15. And uh, that just bugged me, man. Like, they played so, so bad those last 11 minutes. Am I crazy for being concerned? No, you're not, you're not crazy, but I'll always go back to the, hey, they built up a monster lead, and listen, we're human. We're not robots, um, at least not yet. Uh, we're human, and you have a 30-point lead. You're going to let your guard down. You're not going to try as hard. It's Especially against a team where there's no fans or anything like that, you're, you're going to let your guard down. You're going to not play as hard. It's just human nature, and they're college kids. So – is it great to put up, what did you say it was, five points in the last 11? How many points? Yeah, five points in 11 yeah, and a half minutes. Yeah, against the defensive juggernaut that is Central Connecticut State. Um, that's obviously not a great sign, but they built up a 30-point lead. Um, it is what it is. I'm, I, I'm not too concerned about it. I think, it's if anything, it's perfect for Cooley saying, like, hey, who do you guys think you are? Like, you can't just strut onto the court or else of your 10-1 record and think you're going to win. Nor do I think the team believes that. I think it was just a, hey, we have a big lead. Uh, let's just let's just get this game over with, and we'll look towards uh, UConn. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm probably making too much of a big deal about it, but like, I don't know. That's just hopefully that was a teaching point uh, going into conference play. All right, so we're gonna take a quick break here, um, and we'll come back, we'll kind of wrap up this whole non-conference slate with a bow. Uh, Go over an article that, that we posted to the provincecrier.com, uh, revisiting our predictions from going into the season. So, so that should be fun. Um, we'll get to that, but first, a quick word from our sponsors at Anchor. All right, welcome back to the Province Crier podcast. All right, BOC, let's wrap up this whole non conference slate here. Friars go 10 and 1, really couldn't ask for, for much better of a performance. I mean, obviously, they stunk it up a little bit against against Virginia, but I'll, I'll say it once. I'll say it a thousand times. I think if you could pick a coach program, that would be a horrendous matchup for Coach Cooley. It's Tony Bennett and the Virginia Cavaliers. I don't care if they're six and four or not. Uh, so you know, really, you you can't complain at all um, at what this team has done in a non conference. And so here comes the interesting thing. Let's. You wrote an article for the blog that, that came out on Tuesday um, that's revisiting our, some of the predictions that we made for the team going into the season. We wrote that article back on October 19th. So let's break it down. Um, let's just start off. PC's player of the year. We both said Nate Watson. I think uh, we can both agree that that's probably the case. <laughs> Albeit... He's had some games where he hasn't, you know, had the shoulder scoring one that much. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the fact that it's not like a home run, Nate Watson's the player of the year, is a good sign. Um, you can make the argument, you know, maybe Horkler, maybe Durham, um, even sometimes Reeves of recent. But, uh, you know, look at the whole body of work right now, Nate Watson appears to be the player of the year. So we were on, on the mark there, one of the few ones we were right about. Yeah, and, you know, I think – this team has done such a better job of 
if you don't have your number one option, you know, can you make them, can you hurt, can you hurt the team trying to take away your number one option in other areas? And I, and I think for this part, uh, for the season, they've certainly done that um, for games that Nate Watson hasn't dominated, but I mean, you don't beat Wisconsin without Nate Watson. Um, you know, you, you know, look at some of his games. He was very dominant early, kind of faded down the stretch here. But, I mean, he was awesome against Vermont. Uh, he matched up against their big really well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think also – I think you would have to say Watson's the, the player of the yeah. year thus far. It's also, like, also one thing. we You need to give credit to Cooley because Cooley – you see, like, tweets from Watson or you see, you see interviews from others – um, they talk about how this is a team effort. So, you know, Cooley is even Watson saying that like Watson will have a game where he puts up seven or eight points and he talks about, Hey, I'm not the only one on this court. Like I have a team around me. Our, our team can carry us. The fact that he's saying that means Cooley has hammered that home all off season and all season. And it's resonating. It's really easy to preach that, but then have Watson go for seven points and we get our doors blown off. Like the fact that, it's showing to be true is massive for us because I think the messaging is, Hey, we have a complete team. If you're off one night or if you're getting doubled, no, all good, we're going to win anyway. And it's working and it's resonating. And that's just a great sign for the future of this team. Yeah. I mean, so like you look at, you look at some of his, his lower producing point games, you know, UVM, he had eight, but I mean, I think we can both agree the whole team just got, flummoxed by Tony, Tony Bennett's back line of defense. So that, that's just kind of a blemish to me. But, I mean, against Central Connecticut, eight points, doesn't really matter. Against uh, URI, seven points, doesn't matter. Against Texas Tech, five points, doesn't matter. So, yeah, that's been massive that this team actually believes in the team concept and it's not all about one guy. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, once again, though, the guy's 15 points per game, shooting 63% from the floor. Really tough to, to argue against him there. He's the leading scorer. So, um, all right. So, so what else do we talk about here? Most improved. Yeah. Most improved. I said Reeves. You said Bynum. Um, you know, we, we wrote about this. Is, is there an answer? I guess, statistically speaking, you could even say Durham to a certain extent. Reeves has improved his numbers uh, a fair amount. Um, but I think I, – I really do think the runaway winner has to be Croswell, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, I think Reeves – Reeves struggled a little bit early on, but he's starting to come on as of late. So I think – you know, you're still alive there. Um, we've talked the about it earlier. It's recency bias to a certain extent, right? Like the last five, six games, he's been on fire. So it's easy to, you know, say that, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and I get incomplete, I think, with Bynum, uh, with the injury. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think Bynum showed himself a, a little bit better than last year, but unfortunately uh, he rolls his ankle. And he's been on the shelf the past three games. Um, but, yeah, it's got to be Crosswell, right? You know, you – yeah, you wrote about it. You wrote about it in the article too, right, that you didn't necessarily see Crosswell as a Big East-type caliber player after year one. 
which I mean is kind of fair. Talking about a guy who would travel all the time <laughs> on post ups, um, you know, had a tough time catching the ball. Um, and, you know, because of that, didn't see a ton of burn. And because of that, we really didn't get to see the type of, of ferocious rebounding that he can be. Um, and Crosswell has just been massive. You know, two, I believe two games this year, they probably don't win without um, Crosswell being a huge mm-hmm. lift. And I think that was – was that both URI and Texas Tech? Yeah, it was the Ed Crosswell week. I think when you looked at last year – I think the big thing, and it's all the credit to him because it's not easy to do. He completely reshaped his body. He looks like a completely different person than he did last year. Because if you remember a lot of times last year, like even if he secured a rebound, like an offensive rebound, he just had, um, he just had no lift, right? Like he would, he would, there were so many times where he got blocked at the rim because he didn't have any lift. And that's probably still going to be the case to a certain extent. He'll never be known as a high jumper, but um, he is so much stronger and he's, a lot more fluid in everything he does. Like he's had a lot of good blocks this year too, which you couldn't necessarily say last year. So I am like, you know, you talk about the things that we, we can mention this now, like what were you most wrong on heading in, like as of now versus heading into the year, it's the front court depth. I thought, truthfully speaking, I thought, you know, if there were games where Horkler or Watson got into foul trouble, we were probably going to lose that game. Castro's red shirting, um, I thought, like, yeah, you could maybe slide Manaya down into, like, a small ball, four or five kind of thing. I just didn't think Croswell was going to be able to bring it, and I'm so happy to eat Crow. Uh, kudos to him for con- continuing to develop and improve his game um, because, again, he completely changes the complexion of this team. Uh, Watson or Horkler getting foul trouble, all good because we know we can rely on him to be a serviceable backup, and then maybe next year starting, starting big man. So that was my biggest miss so far, and I'm – so happy to be wrong there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned the freshman. We talked about freshman of the year. I mean, this is kind of just thrown away at this point. Um, sure. You know, Castro redshirting um, and Legend Gator just hasn't seen the floor yet. Well, he's seen it a little bit in some mop-up, mop-up duty. Um, but so, you know, not too much to take away from there. Although you do mention that that it was said, did Cooley say it or – there's a, there's a report that came out that Castro, his length has impacted them in practice. So that's good to see. Yeah. So maybe you wouldn't like to fall. <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, yeah, he'll be a guy who who probably next year, you know, nobody's talking about him, and then he averages twelve to fifteen a game, and who who knows how he does. But I think you know playing playing against Nate Watson this year is a great way to learn how to be a big East front court player. So it's going to pay off, uh, pay off in spades next year and years after that. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, let's just jump right to the next one. Then mm-hmm. biggest impact transfer. We, we could choose between one of the two. You went Durham. I went Manaya. Um, I think in their own way, both of them have been massive additions to the team. Yeah. Um, Durham, Durham, like I said, even if Bynum was completely healthy, Durham just adds a scoring punch and a scoring punch and a veteran leadership that we just didn't have on the team. Um, so, so, you know, forget about stats. Like he's, he's doing well as the lead guard. He is just a very veteran presence on the team that we sorely lacked last year and also probably we're going to lack this year. 
Bynum's, in, Bynum's injury makes him even more important. So he's definitely the most, I guess we'll say impactful, but don't discount the impact that Manai has. I mean, we've already talked about him on this podcast, but if somebody were to look at the stats, you would say, like, how is, he's not really that impactful of a transfer. But any basketball junkie that watches him play knows how important he is to this team. And I'm, I guarantee Cooley's in that locker room with his staff saying, God, we hit a home run with this guy because he's the type of guy who will be on the court and doesn't need to score to make an impact. And those people are so valuable to your basketball program. Yeah, I mean, p- put the stats out uh, out the window for a second here. Both Manaya and Durham have changed the whole attitude and togetherness of this team. Um, you look at both of them. They're both constantly communicating on defense, picking each other up, um, you know, picking their teammates up. Like, that kind of stuff was sorely lacking from last year. And what ended up happening was a bad season uh, came of it. So, you know, good job for Cooley to recognize these two guys as culture fits in a team that he wants to have. You know, the old adage, you, you play – you want to play like your coach's coaching style, right? Um, and clearly he identified these two guys as people that would be perfect culture fitters. And it's definitely impacted the wins and losses. Um, you know, Durham obviously probably has a little more offensive game than Manaya. Um, his ability to get the line has been massive. So, you know, maybe lead Dur- uh, lean Durham on that. But both of them have just been huge to this team. So, yep. Um, all right. What else? What else? All right. Let me ask you. I'll put you on the spot here. Okay. What What do you think was your? And it doesn't even need to be an article. But what was your biggest thought or expectation around the team that you were just dead wrong on? And it could be positive or negative. Like for me, mine was the front court depth. I thought we weren't going to have any, and we clearly did. So that was by my biggest miss. What were your, you know, your thoughts or perceived notions about this team heading into the season? Now we're eleven games in. And you're like, wow, I just completely missed there. Yeah, um, I think I was a little bit concerned about the guard depth, and you know, as the season went on, I kind of changed my opinion on this, but. Um, you know, I was worried about, all right, what if Dur- or what if Bynum gets hurt again, right? Um, is Al Durham actually good at uh, being a lead guard? Because we didn't see it much at all at his time at Indiana. Um, so, and, and then you had Breed, and that's about it, right? Mm-hmm. And granted, all those things are still true, right? Bynum goes down, but this team, you just watched them and you just knew they were going to be better equipped to have no Bynum um, this year compared to last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Durham hasn't been perfect as a lead guard. Like he's had his turnovers, but um, he's done a really good job kind of stepping in for the time being. And I'm really not that worried about the guard depth now because, like, the hope is you get Bynum back healthy, uh, the ankle strong, and then you just roll with with uh, those three guys, and I think you'll be fine. So that that's my take there. But yeah. um, let's. 
So Go let ahead. me ask you, let me ask you, uh, I, I know you got to jump in a little bit. Let me ask you, 11 games in, are your expectations for this team and the season, are they higher? Are they the same as they were heading into the season or are they lower? Oh, they're way higher, POC. Come on now. You remember me. I didn't have, I didn't want to put any expectations on this team at all because of what transpired last year. And the fact that I, I feel like anytime I'm really high on them is when they typically disappoint uh, as a whole. So, yeah, I'm through the roof. Expect Like, my expectations have gone way up. I think this team is definitely a team that can compete top half of the league, if not top three in the league. Um, I think they've shown that. Granted, this league's going to be a bear now. It, like, the biggest has dominated this non-conference slate. So that's also, that's also maybe a surprise how, how good the big East conference is this year. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. Like I didn't I, expect it to be this good. No. And it, it's because I think a, they, they got a ton of talent from a conference like the big 10 yeah. uh, between Nunji, Durham. Um, uh, oh, I'm blanking on one. Um, there's, wasn't there one more Big Ten transfer? From to who? To one, one of the Big East schools. Probably. Maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of Armand Franklin, who also left IU, but he's out yeah. in Virginia. Uh, but, yeah, I think they had a, a nice influx of talent in via the transfer portal. And then on top of that, there's just a lot of talent in this league. I'm watching Georgetown Syracuse. Aminu Muhammad, granted, I, I think when we wrote like a Big East preview – I think you had him as your freshman of the year. I did. Um, that guy's unbelievable, dude. He like he sliced and diced that that Syracuse defense. So he just threw it. They threw it to him in, in the in the middle of the zone, like you want to attack the zone, and they just let him go with it. Like either find an open man or score the ball yourself. And he was awesome in that game. You look at DePaul. This David Jones character has come out of nowhere, um, and he's awesome. And DePaul's getting wins in. Hell, maybe we're back on the hashtag rank the Paul trend. Um, <laughs> so, so that's a huge surprise. Like, this league is going to be tough. But the way PC has played this year, the way they're built, I definitely think they're going to be able to compete. So, yeah, expectations way up. Um, if we want to just kind of quickly, as we wrap this up, run through some of our predictions. Not all of them are complete yet because some of them were longer season goals than, than right now. But uh, – Three point line. That, that was one of our big questions. Uh, that one. That one. I was. I mean, it could change, but I'm way off on that. I thought it. I thought we were gonna. I thought we were going to challenge as one of Cooley's best three point shooting teams, which isn't. It's kind of a low bar, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're not. We're not. We're not there. We're not even close to there. Um, but you did bring up an interesting point in the article, BOC. You said you expect Al Durham to pick up his shooting as time goes, and yeah. I think. I could agree with that. Um, I don't think this team is going to be a great three-point shooting team. They clearly aren't right now, but I think they will be better. Um, but probably they not. Be much, they can't be much worse. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're two. They're two hundred thirty-first nationally. Like God, it's just we just we just are never a good three-point shooting team. It's so frustrating. <laughs> um, yeah, at least not since the days of like Cotton and yeah, Marshawn Brooks. Uh, <laughs> But uh, front court depth, we already touched upon that. 
they did find front court depth in that crosswell. Uh, he's been awesome. Um, the rotation, I think, and I think you're going to agree with me on this, and you've been a guy that's always on Cooley about his rotations. This year, for the most part, he's done a damn good job. Great job. Absolutely fantastic job. Everybody knows their role. Rotations are pretty much set in stone. Um, I think that's been one of his biggest uh, bugaboos as a coach, and he seems to have fixed that. So I'm, I'm pumped about that. Yep. Uh, a few of the others, will there be a league guard or will it be a guard by committee? It's kind of had to be a guard by committee due to the Bynum injury. We'll probably know more on that when Bynum uh, returns. So, and then Reeves' career, uh, finishes career with consistency. We're starting to get towards there. So, wait and see on that. Um, the defense, I think the defense has been good. It can be a little better. Um, hopefully, they, they – I, th- I think with the guys that they have, they'll be able to write the ship and, and by year end, they'll be I, – I think they will have a top 50, or at least very close, top 50 Kempom defense. Um, let, me, let me talk about one more, and we can maybe end on a little rant here. Yeah. One of my big ones was – Providence is going to enter Biggie's play ranked. Yes. And I'm glad you brought this up. They damn well should be ranked. That It is absurd that they are not ranked. I tweeted something today. They are tied in the country for most quad one wins with Arizona. Let's test my memory. Michigan State, Ohio State, and Xavier. Yep. Four of those five teams are ranked. The only one that's not ranked is the one that's 3-0 against quad one, Providence. Province is 10 and one. Their one loss is on a neutral site to UVA. Um, I don't, I don't get it. I get Providence isn't a brand name. They should absolutely be ranked. It's a travesty. They're not. And we'll talk about UConn later, but what's going to annoy me is we're playing UConn on the road in the first big East game. Since they were able to have fans, I think we're probably going to lose that one because of everything we're talking about with fans, it's a road game. We lose by 10. Everybody's going to be like, see, Providence shouldn't be ranked. And that's just BS, but. I'll, I'll end on that little tirade there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I am giving you full credit for this one because you, you're technically right. They, they did what they had to do here. They have 10 wins. They only have one loss. And it, it was just such trash that it took a week of beating UVM in Central Connecticut for the pollsters to actually vote PC in the top 25. They get no votes the week before, and that now this week they're third in votes, which means they're the 28th team in the country. But, yeah, it's it stinks. And I think part of it is that Virginia's done you no favors so far this year. Tony Bennett, you got to clean it up. Clean it up, Tony Bennett, please. Like, I, I can't have this game being a quad three out. I really can't. Like, that's just ridiculous. And it's trending that way because they're, like, they're close to 100 net. And once they drop out of 100, I think that drops to quad three. So, yikes. Clean it up, UVA. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think I think Providence going to be hungry for UConn. And we'll have our episode to preview that. But, uh, um, but yeah, I, I think they'll be hungry to get a win. I can't wait for that game. I, I'm going to be there. It's going to be awesome. But, all right, that wraps it up. You know, follow the blog, follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to leave the podcast a review, you can certainly do that. We'd love five-star reviews, but we'll take any sort of review. We're all about, you know, feedback and getting better here at the Problem Scribe Podcast. So until next time, 
Have a good one, Friday time. See you guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, eh? Cross over, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, eh? Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, eh? Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, eh? I'm the alpha dog, Diallo. They were sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage. And he see me bumpin', so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we takin' over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah